and it takes us, we need to be the leaders, the people listening to this podcast, the people who are paying attention to these things. We need to be the leaders to speak up at the coaches' meetings, to speak up at the school board meetings, to speak up at the travel meetings, to speak up to our kids and to the other parents and be honest and say, hey, my kid is getting burned out. They are really struggling. They need to take a season off. They're not going to play travel ball this year. If you have a problem with that and that's going to adjust and hurt his or her playing time when we get to school season, you need to look at your team. You need to look at your leadership and you need to start recalibrating what you're doing. And if that's truly who you are, I don't want my kid playing for you. Figure it out. Get better. That's where we need to be as parents. That's the level of intensity that we need to have to protect our kids. Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're going to be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. All right, guys, what is going on today? We're going to be talking about a subject that is near and dear uh, to my heart and, you know, something that I talk a lot about in private. Sorry, I'm going to raise my mic up. Talk a lot about in private and, um, you know, I read a lot on research, a lot on, listen to a lot of podcasts, watch a lot of videos and try to, I guess, feel knowledgeable, but don't always necessarily feel comfortable talking. And I'll kind of tell you why. And the topic is going to be, you know, kids, young people's mental and physical health. Um, You know, I try to touch on some things in terms of just developmental and things that I do feel comfortable saying, but I think a lot of the stuff um, that is prevalent is a touchy subject for people because I think when we talk about this subject or when we talk about things that are maybe wrong or, and and wrong is even a tough term, let's just say like less right because it's all a spectrum, right? Those are things that, you know, people who listen to this podcast or people in society are doing. And a lot of this stuff is not uncommon. And so, you know, let's just like put it in perspective before we get kind of started here. Nothing that I'm going to say is like an indictment on you individually or on you as a parent or anything like that. It never is. Just the same as when I talk about eating healthy and exercising as something that we should be doing. If you're not doing those things, that's not an indictment on you. That's just a, Generally, I think we should be doing that. And I think that that's pretty uncontroversial that as adults, we should be trying to eat healthier and we should be trying to take care of ourselves and that our mental and physical health are important things. Not controversial, right? A lot of the stuff that I hope that I'm going to talk about on the whole should not be controversial if you can separate you know, your own emotions, your own experiences, your own things from them. And so that's why this, I think, is number one, I think it's a touchy subject. And I think it's hard to, for people to talk about. And I've experienced this a lot in having a baby when you talk about like things we're doing. And then like people immediately think that, like, well, I didn't do things that way. So now we have a difference of opinion. And that's an indictment on the way that I parent or blah, blah. And it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I was just like, no, like we just didn't do things that way. Like I, it's not an indictment on you at all. And, you know, everybody, it's so many people do things one way and so many other people do things the other way. It's just not that big of a deal. So that's sort of my 
um, I guess you'd say my disclaimer for this one is I hope that you guys can receive this. And if you feel like something is an indictment on you, I wonder if we can take a step back and objectively think like, okay, why am I angry about that? Like, why am I angry that Jeff said that? Or why do I disagree with him? Or why am I so vehemently that? And just have that second to have somebody, you know, question the decision you make and then second guess and think about it, right? And uh, there's a hundred percent of things that like we do where I would feel totally comfortable if you second guessed it. And I would be totally comfortable telling you my reasons and my whys of why I believe that or why we've done that as parents or whatever have you. And I'm also fine like stepping back, like make your argument. I want to hear it. And if you make a really good argument, I'll say something like, wow, that's, I've never thought of that before. That's really cool. Okay. Um, you know, if it's super persuasive, I say, well, you know, I'm not super sold on my position that much either. And your position was really convincing. So maybe we'll do things your way and I'll listen to you. Um, you know, and then other people just make decisions sometimes just because that's what everybody else does and they haven't sat and thought about it. And I hope that this, um, you know, gives you some things to think about. So let's dive into it. Uh, the reason why I'm making this post today. Mal O'Brien, who, for those of you guys who don't follow the CrossFit Games, uh, she was the women's front runner. So uh, to be fittest woman in the world, Tia Toomey has won the last oof, six games, I think. Uh, she's been dominant, right? There, there really hasn't been anybody close. So it's kind of been a race for second. And Mal is young. I mean, she's maybe 21. And she has really established herself uh, as the top, you know, contender, the number two, uh, the last few years. And, you know, I think she won the open this year in pretty dominant fashion. She was looking really, really good. Well, she just dropped out of the games and wrote sort of an ominous post. Um, you know, I think pointing towards her mental health, uh, in terms of why, and just off the top of my head, I think she marks at least the fifth or sixth athlete this year who has cited uh, mental health for the reason that they are not competing. And, you know, this came up in um, some of my chat conversations, people texting me about it this morning. And, you know, obviously I have a lot of thoughts about this. And my first thought is the first post that comes up on this is from CrossFit, right? Um, So this is the CrossFit games and if we uh, go, I'm actually live looking at Mal's post right now. And so you guys can look that up it's on Instagram if you want to. And the very first comment, the most likes is CrossFit, like wishing her luck. It's like a heart, you know, with a thing. And then we click on CrossFit and CrossFit has made a huge effort as of late to promote itself from a health and wellness brand, right? And they want to be for everybody and they want to be promoting health and well-being Yet at the same moment, you are neck deep in this CrossFit Games thing, this competition that I've seen very much firsthand in a lot of different ways is destructive for mental health, is destructive for physical health, and really is not good for most people. Uh, And so they're caught in the middle of this gigantic misalignment. And there's been people that have been talking about this misalignment for years and how clear and obvious it is that they need to give the games off to Rogue 
and let rogue just take over. And that's like their thing. And it's just the rogues, you know, fittest games. And it's one test of fitness to go along with something like Iron Man, Strongman, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting competitions, all, you know, testing the physical prowess of individuals, right? Whether it's strength, speed, athleticism, you know, or all the components in one, endurance, stamina, et cetera. And they need to sort of hand that off because it's really hard for this CrossFit brand to align itself with all of the things that are involved with being a health and wellness brand and saying we're for these things, but then promoting a competition and promoting athletes and paying sponsored athletes and all these different things that they do to push themselves to these levels and they become role models. Mal O'Brien is certainly a role model for young women, especially young women in this sport. You know, she looks great. At least she's just like this pillar of, of what you would want. You would think, you know, a fit female and she's super strong. She's level-headed. She's well-spoken, all these different things. Comes off great. And then under the surface, we start to see that mentally, this sport is, is breaking her, right? The fame, the million followers, the sponsorships, the branding, all these different things that we know are tough to handle on top of the training load required to compete for CrossFit. And so, you know, my first thought right away with this was that this is just such a glaring right in your face. You know, whoever wins the female CrossFit games this year, in my opinion, is not actually the fittest person. They're the fittest person who is able to keep it together physically and mentally through multiple training seasons in a row and resilient enough to be able to compete at this competition uh, that's upcoming. So, you know, that's, that's tough. And this is something that, you know, I've battled internally myself, um, something that I've struggled with as a coach across multiple different athletes and something that I have really firsthand watched now. I mean, I did my first CrossFit competition in 2009. And so it was a long time ago. And so I've been able to watch all of these people who I competed with in 2009 slowly start to fade from the sport or from, you know, the, the just even general practice of doing CrossFit and not do it anymore. And then you start to pay attention to, well, where do they go? What do, what does happen post? And is it better for us to instead be promoting things like we just did? And so this is my conclusion with it for what it's worth for you guys is what I think should be promoted. What I think is good, healthy, mentally and physically is what we just did. I think it should be more focus on, you know, just promoting community events, throwdowns as we used to call them, right? Local competitions, I think is what kind of most people call them now, but let's just call them throwdowns where there's no prize money, there's no sponsorships, there's, you know, not it's it's literally just getting together with some friends and some people from other local communities, awesome people meeting awesome people. And just throwing down left and right and talking some smack and jokingly having some fun with each other uh, and getting a great workout, having something to train for to, that keeps you coming to the gym consistently. You know, a, a short-ish or medium-term-ish goal 
that keeps you focused on showing up and working hard and continuing to work on your form and your mechanics and your fitness and your strength levels and all of these different things to just slowly get a little bit better over time. But that doesn't require you to come in and have six and seven and eight training sessions a day. That doesn't require you to, to do these, you know, crazy, you know, you have to go to these boot camps all across to learn from all these different people and smash your head into the ground doing a bunch of handstand pushups and, you know, tear your rotator cuff and start, you know, screwing up your shoulders because you're doing these wild kips after doing a bunch of snatches and overhead squats and all this other stuff. I think that is something that is accomplishable for most people on a regular schedule. I think it allows them to have things in place that are very important from a mental health perspective, things like a career that's fulfilling to them, things like relationships and families and a social life and being able to go out and, you know, if your friend asks you to go out and have a beer to celebrate his, you know, firstborn kid or to celebrate a wedding, you know, that you're like, oh, well, you know, hey, I've got seven training sessions tomorrow and I've got to be in bed by eight and I can't drink anything. So like, sorry, buddy, I won't be there. I did that. (laughs) Like, it's not fun. Right. And that is, those are, those are things that are from a social fabric, from a mental health fabric that are actually really, really important. And, you know, I think when you're training at that level, and we're going to tie this into the rest of all the other sports, when you're training at that level, um, and you do sacrifice a lot of those things, you know, I think that that, um, starts to override you know, to a point it becomes unhealthy for just your own health, happiness, career fulfillment, and all these different things um, is really tough. And I think you see this a lot with like young, young gymnasts have always been a big thing. And Jenny and I have talked about this ad nauseum. Um, but I mean, you see a, a Nastia Lucan or a Sean Johnson or people who are at the absolute pinnacle of the sport. I mean, gold medalists, all around champions of the world. And they have committed just an obscene, I mean, hundreds of thousands of hours of just training, committing your whole lifestyle, nutrition, body type, coaching, 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 you know, injuries, surgeries, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, he, I, I don't know, Nastia Lucan, I'm guessing was probably like 20 or 21, something like that when she won the all around gold. And that's a big, then what? Right. And they, they struggle to pull themselves out of that world or into other things or figure out what's next or how can I start to contribute to society and how can I get fulfillment in this? And I haven't ever dedicated anything in my life to like relationships and, and people. I kind of have these relationships because I was a great gymnast, but now I'm like not a great gymnast. So are those actually real relationships? Are those real friends of mine or are they just kind of attaching th- themselves to me because I was great? And that really starts to mess with people, especially young people. And so the reason that I want to talk about this is, is number one, I think that we look sometimes as, you know, we look at what we do in friendship and sometimes we, we watch these athletes, you know, we follow them on Instagram or we look at their social media and we see the workouts they post, we see the stuff they do. We watch them in the competitions. You're like, holy crap, that's so amazing. And it's like motivational to this point where like, it does want you to try to work harder. It maybe wants you to do more. And that's like this weird kind of trap, right? Um, it, it's not like, 
it's not necessarily, in my opinion, like a good thing. And I know this because I did this for a long time. You know, you see these people who we were going to be competing, you know, we compete right next to Froning and the Mayhem teams who won the championships and we competed like in the lane right next to them. And so, you know, you're, you're watching those guys on social media, you're seeing what they're doing and it's sort of impacting you. are like, holy crap, they're outworking us. We got to work harder. We got to do more. And, you know, that's super, super, super unhealthy. Um, you know, it, it letting that impact your decisions. So where I think we need to get to is with this sport. Number one is in terms of people who are listening to this podcast is we need to look at them a little bit like we look at professional athletes, number one, um, separate ourselves from, you know, what they are doing. But I also think we need to uh, help drive like the youth and some of our own kids and some of these different things um, in a direction that accounts for the failures of these athletes and coaches who are driving to the point of a mental health breakdown. And I don't care if it's, you know, whatever your kid's sport is, whether it's CrossFit or lacrosse or track or whatever, right? All of our kids are into different things. All of it has a healthy balance and all of it has a very unhealthy balance. And I think right now our society is very tilted, heavily tilted towards unhealthy balance. And I think it takes a really strong, sturdy kid with a really sound social environment, family environment, fulfillment environment, et cetera, uh, to be able to withstand that heavy tilting of a scale and come out unscathed. I actually think it's more common to reach a mental and physical breakdown if you're being pushed into some of these things too hard, too fast. And the big problem is, is the structures that exist in things like, you know, I'm going to use baseball, but it's true for basketball. It's true for lacrosse. Um, it's true for every, I mean, soccer, gymnastics, it's true for all of it. The opportunities to play these sports too much are there in bounds. And these coaches and these leaders of these high school programs or these travel programs, they are, and I'm going to blanket here, it's not true for everybody, they are driving the message that if you don't do this, you won't be good enough, and not being good enough is a sin. And not being good enough to play on this team is your ultimate life's failure. Whereas, you know, where we should look at it is my kid has a very well-balanced life. They enjoy time with their friends. They love playing outside. They're super social. They're interested in things intellectually, and they're trying to learn different things. And then they also enjoy playing some recreational sports with their friends. And yeah, you know, he's not going to get a scholarship and, you know, maybe he won't score a goal in, you know, his senior year. Maybe you won't, you know, get off the bench uh, for, you know, whatever sport you're playing. And, you know, he's got to go to practice. He's got to commit that time. And, you know, he, and it's, there's no payoff because we don't see him ever playing the games. And that was me. Like, I, I, never, I never varsity lettered in any sport, ever. I never scored a goal or a point at a varsity level, ever. And... I'm lucky that my parents supported me in moving away from a sport that I was playing too much of, in my opinion, baseball, to a sport that I knew nothing about was absolutely terrible at lacrosse. But man, I loved lacrosse. Lacrosse was so, the reason I loved it 
And I'll tell you this, um, as somebody who I think has, you know, from a long-term timeline of health, fitness, and sport has had a super healthy relationship, like my whole life with it was baseball was getting to be too much. And I moved away to lacrosse and I loved lacrosse because there was no pressure. I was brand new at it. I was terrible at it. Most of the kids in our school were brand new at it because lacrosse wasn't what lacrosse is now. Lacrosse was like this brand new thing that was coming to the Midwest and almost nobody played. And it wasn't like this off season for football. Nobody was getting scholarships except for like the upper Arlington kids. And it was just something that like we just went and it was truly what sports should be. It was just fun. You know, we did what are called Indian scrimmages, which is, you know, lacrosse is a native American sport. And, you know, we had very unstructured scrimmages, which if you look up the history of the sport of lacrosse, um, you know, that's, that's what it was. And it was tribes playing against each other. Really cool history of the sport, by the way, if you've never read it before. Um, so we got into this and that was just like, and so you're just out playing and you're outside and, you know, you've, you've got this sport that's somewhat structured and you're just, it's literally just unstructured playing. And I loved it. And it was so much fun and I was not good. And I never got off the bench. Neither did Jay. That's really where we became such good friends as we never got off the bench in lacrosse. And we both got cut from the basketball team, like all this stuff. And, but Jay and I kept finding ways to, to play. We joined these intramural leagues and we joined these co-ed leagues and we kept playing. When we went to OU, we would play every day. We'd play, we found ways to play pickup. When we were like 16, 17, we were playing pickup basketball and we were going to these lacrosse practices and just having fun and then sitting the bench the entire game. And I look back on those, those days so fondly, not because of like how good we were, the games or any of that stuff, but just the time I was spending with my friends. And, you know, I know a lot of people too, who were, you know, did get scholarships, did play, you know, really high level sports who were really good and did take stuff really seriously. And then, you know, you kind of watch the college careers and stuff. And and then you realize like, man, they kind of got burned out. They really don't play the sport anymore. They're not super passionate about it. They're not in shape. They never developed good fitness practices. You know, they don't have like great relationships from the sport or anything like that. And it was too much, right? And I saw myself kind of going that way a little bit uh, with baseball. And I read somewhere this story about Cal Ripken. So, uh, and this was super impactful for me when I started to kind of pay attention to off seasons, coaching, training more. And Cal Ripken, you know, for most of you guys who don't know, he's hopefully you do know, um, has kind of a legendary record, right? He played something like 20 or 21 seasons. He never missed a game in baseball, which is just absolutely unheard of. It's one of those records that like the next person is so far away that it's, you know, just, it would be obscene to ever see it touched again. And it just never will be with load management and injury prevention, all those things. It'll just never end. People are just built different today. Um, that, that record will never be touched. And his rule for his kids and for himself was that when the season was over, we locked the gloves up for two months. You can't touch a baseball. You can't throw a baseball. You can't catch a baseball. Nothing. Zero baseball. Go get involved in something else. It's a mental refresh. It's a physical refresh. It's good for your shoulders. It's good for your elbows. It's just good for you as a person generally to take some time away from things that are getting too intense or that are being too much for you. It doesn't mean that you lose focus entirely on sport or competition or, you know, your, your long-term goals and desires. And in direct contradiction with that, it's actually the only way 
that you can stick with something for so long. The only way that your kid can play basketball or baseball for the rest of their life and still truly love it is if you give them doses of time where they get to a point where they miss it. Not that they're sick of it, but that they actually miss it, where they're craving it again. And when I was competing, I remember reading um, a story from James Fitzgerald, who runs OPEX training. Now he's the first CrossFit Games champion, incredible coach, incredible mind for you know just health and fitness generally. And prob- probably the most studious, um, most knowledgeable individual in terms of you know strength and conditioning, health and fitness world since maybe a Charles Poliquin type. And he wrote this article talking about deloading after the games, right? And what that actually looks like. And you will actually see some of the um, competitors. I know Tia did this for sure. Um, I know Matt Frazier and some other people did it as well, is leaving and not going into a gym at all until you feel an actual like yearning, like a burning, like a fire where like you feel like you crave it and you miss it and you have to get back. And I remember reading that being like, oh man, you know, hey, I should really do that. (laughs) And then, you know, for me, that wasn't, I didn't align a lifestyle where you're in the gym every single day. (laughs) You know, I didn't align my lifestyle with being able to do that. So I was never very successful at it. Uh, But I always kind of embodied that in terms of trying to help people do that as a coach or from a coaching perspective. Um, And again, not many people were were on board with that, right? Um, So always very interesting to kind of see. And so that would be my recommendation to you guys. If you guys have kids who are playing sports and you're feeling that pressure right now of travel this and travel that and, you know, nonstop the same sport all the time is try to give your space, your kid the space and try to make sure that you have enough honest conversation with them and they feel open enough with you to be honest with you about how they feel about maybe taking some time away. And how they feel about, you know, maybe skipping a season of travel just so they can focus on the team stuff or just de-stress it in some way and be open to that and be willing to tell them, like, I don't care what your coach thinks. I don't care what the system thinks. I don't care what you're supposed to do or what everybody thinks you're supposed to do. I just care about you, right? What do you want to do? And that's the uh, kind of our big takeaway with this is I wonder if Mal O'Brien had some influences in her life where they just told her like, listen, if you're getting burned out, just, just take a month off, take six weeks, go travel around Europe. You have zero limitations. You're sponsored by all these people. She probably makes a ton of money. You know, you can travel all around the world. Any gym in the world will open their arms to have you come and train with them and stay with them and maybe coach and run a seminar and stuff. So you can make your way around Europe or, you know, the Middle East or uh, Australia or wherever you want to go. Open arms, just go and get out and just see the world and do some different things. You're a 21 year old, go have some fun. I wonder how she would feel if that was what CrossFit was to her even if that meant she was in fifth place this year instead of first. And I understand champions and stuff are built different and it's really tough, but uh, she's not going to be a champion this year. She hasn't been a champion before. And if things keep going the way they're trending, she might not ever make it back to the sport. And man, wouldn't that be a disappointment, right? Not just like for her, but for everybody, for, for just the sport generally, that we are running a sport that is about health, well-being, fitness, mental health, 
and we destroyed a 20 or 21 year old female because of the pressure, because of the system, because of the games, whatever it is. It just, it kind of makes me really mad. Right. Um, and I, it's, I hope you guys can see why. Um, and that's going to transition just a little bit to, um, another study that I read and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it is on the same topic. Um, there's a big study, uh, that came out from Sapien Labs. Um, and I'm just going to kind of read this to you. Um, Sapien Lab study highlights that earlier age of smartphone ownership among current 18 to 24 year olds is associated with much poorer health outcomes with women being much more badly affected. As the age of first ownership went up from six to 18 years, percentage of women experiencing mental health challenges decreased from, get this, 74% to 46%. So that means it was a scale that was directly linear. And if you got your first cell phone at six years old, you were 74% chance by the time you were in college to be experiencing mental health challenges. And if you got your first cell phone at 18 years old, you're 46, 46% more likely. For males, the percentages declined less, but it was 42% at age six to 36% at age 18. The study was titled Age of First Smartphone and Mental Health Wellbeing, or sorry, Mental Wellbeing Outcomes. The mental well-being of each younger generation has progressively declined. Simultaneously, the rapid adoption of smartphones during this period has changed the cognitive and social habits of users. The report examines the well-being of 18 to 24-year-olds in relation to the age in which they got their first smartphone or tablet to determine the cumulative impact of growing up with smartphones. So it's important to note that it's not just smartphones, it's tablets as well. So it's iPads or whatever tablet you want to you know, call it. Uh, I know everyone gets these you know, fire ones or whatever else the other ones are, the cheaper ones. But that's included in the study as well. So it goes on. The obvious issue is not with smartphones themselves, but what they are used for, which in the case of young people is largely social media. And on big, tens, uh, big tech's reluctance uh, for any sort of guardrails. From that perspective, the finding of the study are in sync with research that shows that social media is responsible for mental health issues in some young people. And then it quotes all these different studies that kind of goes through um, that end of things, the more social end of things. So, um, you know, with suicide and mental, it starts talking about suicide, mental health, specifically in young women. Uh, so again, hopefully you guys are kind of seeing where my mind is at. Growing up a daughter, this stuff is, is unbelievably important to me and something that I spend a massive amount of time paying attention to. Um, so... I think these things are in line. And what I hated the most about Mal O'Brien's post was that there was a post. She has 715,000 Instagram followers, 142,000 likes, 2,800 comments on this post. Okay. So if we think that social media and cell phones, and if we go through Mal O'Brien's, um, account back long enough. I think she's been posting like posting CrossFit stuff since she was like 13. So she falls directly into this study of using social media, attaching her identity to CrossFit, posting on CrossFit, developing a huge following and going through some of these things um, as a young woman that are directly attached to mental health concerns and issues. And when you experience then a mental health episode or you need to take some time away, 
there's this big dramatic post about it. And I don't know if it's because of sponsors or because of her fans or whatever. But this is what makes me so uncomfortable about this whole thing is the right answer, in my opinion, if Mal would take me on as a coach, right? Would be, here's what we're going to do. We're going to delete and deactivate your Instagram channel. We're going to notify all of your sponsors what's going on. And we're going to tell them to please not contact you, not comment about anything. We won't be making any more posts for the time being. And we'll deal with the contractual obligations of those things later on. We're going to leave wherever we're at, right? We're going to go and travel. We're going to find a nice secluded place that's quiet. Maybe doesn't have Wi-Fi. And we're just going to separate a little bit for just a little bit for a month, two months. And I don't want you, I don't want people texting you, asking you if you're okay. I don't want you reading 2,800 Instagram comments. I don't want you listening to podcasts by guys like Jeff talking about you. I don't want you to see the YouTube backlash or whatever, all the comments, all the things that are going to come of this. I don't want you to see or hear any of it. When the games are over and people are talking about whoever the champion is and you know Tia has her baby and everyone's getting ready for next season and nobody's talking about you having to drop out next year, that's then when we can come back and maybe start thinking about some of these things again. That, in my opinion, would be the appropriate way to kind of handle this is to separate and to pull back a little bit. I think it's the only way that you can actually start to think about making positive steps forward. But if she's got these sponsors and these contractual obligations and all this other stuff that force her to make these posts and do these things, um, I think that this is actually a huge part of the problem. And I think this is pervasive and true amongst a lot of athletes and amongst a lot of sports is this incessant need to tell everybody what's going on with your life feeling like you have to inform all of these people about private issues. So I don't know kind of what this is going to trigger in you guys. I don't know where your kids are at. I don't know what age you gave your kids cell phones or tablets. I don't know, you know, what sports they're into or how dedicated and things they are to those sports. And, um, you know, your kids could absolutely be doing nothing but, you know, travel basketball for all four seasons, every year, year on year on end, it'd be totally fine right now. But that doesn't mean that they will be a year from now. And that doesn't mean that they will be two years from now. And we need to stay vigilant and we need to be aware of some of these concerns and some of these issues that do sneak up because it might not happen until they're 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. They might leave for college and have a scholarship in that sport and they might start experiencing that, bur- that burnout when they're 20. And then they have this overhang of a concern because you as a parent were maybe super excited that you know, paying for college was going to be tough and we we're going to have to take out loans, but you got this scholarship and now they feel additional pressure because if I stop playing my sport, I won't get my scholarship. And then what happens to our, our you know, family with money? And all of these things can start to creep up down the road too. And you still need to be there. Like that's more than ever, when you need to be there as a parent to help them make sure that they are making the decision with first and foremost, their mental health as the primary and with their physical health as the secondary and just making sure they're making the right decisions. 
you know, so much of this stuff happens behind closed doors. It's, you know, the varsity blues story is a story because it's, it's true. It happens everywhere behind closed doors. They're giving kids steroids. They're giving kids cortisol shots in their knees. They're, you know, pushing them through injuries. Go and talk to Jenny about that. They are, you know, they need to take down the load on these girls who are injured, who are 11 or 12. They need to pull them from physical responsibility. But because, oh, the, you know, level nine state championships are coming up, they don't. And so already you have coaches making decisions for 11 year old girls that are the wrong decisions for their physical health, which are going to be the wrong decisions for their mental health, because then they're going to be injured, chronically injured all the time. And if you guys have never been chronically injured, it sucks to go through stuff. It sucks to feel like you're at 70 or 80% capability all the time. And it sucks to feel like you can't get any positive momentum and all the other girls or boys are passing you up and you're hurt and you don't know what to do. And your coaches aren't making the right decisions for you, but they act like they are. It's so challenging and it takes us. We need to be the leaders, the people listening to this podcast, the people who are paying attention to these things. We need to be the leaders to speak up at the coaches' meetings, to speak up at the school board meetings, to speak up at the travel meetings, to speak up to our kids and to the other parents and be honest and say, hey, my kid is getting burned out. They are really struggling. They need to take a season off. They're not going to play travel ball this year. If you have a problem with that and that's going to adjust and hurt his or her playing time when we get to school season, you need to look at your team. You need to look at your leadership and you need to start recalibrating what you're doing. And if that's truly who you are, I don't want my kid playing for you. Figure it out. Get better. That's where we need to be as parents. That's the level of intensity that we need to have to protect our kids. And if this is you right now, step up. Figure out what that conversation looks like. Talk to your kids. Have real conversations. Forcefully separate them from the environment, from the team, from the list. When school's out, if they've had, if they've done a fall sport, a winter sport, a spring sport, go out and just let them be a kid. Go let them do some big slip and slide. Go to a lake, let them get on a pool, let them try jet skiing. Because those things are not only physically good for you, but more importantly, they are a mental reset. They're a mental refreshing. Get out into nature, go and hike, go and mountain bike. Get out and do these things that are a separation from the constant pushing and stress of the sports and the things that we put our kids in. So I hope this one hits you guys. I hope you enjoy it. I'm, super, I'm obviously super passionate about it. I uh, love you guys so much. If you guys want to have a conversation about this, please come up and talk to me. I enjoy having these conversations. I enjoy trying to work through these problems together and just trying to get better, You know, trying to figure out uh, as I start to dive into the you know, oh, well, what sports or physical activities are we going to get Stevie into? And like, do we need to? Is that something we decide for her? You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, we're kind of neck deep in that. And obviously it's a super passionate subject for me. Thanks guys. Bye.